Okay. Yeah, no banter this week. Welcome to Brokazatsu, two brothers' exploration of Tokazatsu shows and related media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And hey, uh, the it's that time again, time for Harry to apologize about audio quality, because, uh, so part of the reason why episodes have been delayed of late is that, uh, my apartment flooded, and I live on the, <laughs> I live on the third floor, so that's something. Yeah, thank God you don't live on the first, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, apparently some people got really fucking bad, like a, like an inch of water in their apartments. I just got, like, a little water that seeped under, under the floor, and, uh, like, got some of my... It, pretty much the water was absorbed by all the dirty clothes I haven't cleaned up, so honestly, like, I was kind of like... It, it didn't make my room any more messy than it really was, but that doesn't stop the apartment building from freaking out about it, because, like, I mean, I think they know they'll be liable if stuff happens, so lots of... They've been very proactive stuff. Um, I don't know, they, they haven't really... Uh, they still like people would come around to manage stuff and talk about it. Uh, they definitely didn't because I was waiting for it. But also, they have these giant fuck off fans designed. Now, to... when you say giant fuck off fans, like uh, pa- paint a picture with your words here, Harry. Like how how tall, how wide, how thick? Double C. They got that like plastic industrial casing, like uh, like it's kind of green. It's about like two feet wide, like between one and two feet, uh, mm-hmm. and like. There's one right in the middle of my living room and one in my bathroom that I just switched them off before recording. But, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to tell them I did that. Also, there's another one that's, like, something to regulate it. Hopefully that will work well by when I just turn it back on. But, like, uh, yeah, th- those have been going on permanently. And, like, because <laughs> I've kind of been stuck here, like, I'm kind of, like, maybe somebody in my very small social circle... Got like COVID, like a minor case, but like I've been trying to quarantine, so I can't really leave. And like mm-hmm. they've been on while I was sleeping, and like I don't yeah. know, I'm a weird guy. I almost like the the white noise. Um, but it's definitely no, it's definitely a thing. I have like Airman as a uh, Airman as a roommate right now. Yes, if this thing if this thing sprouted arms, would it be like a villain from a Toku episode, Harry? It's a little small, like, but uh, it would be like he would have two V's as like giant arm things to blow away the enemy. Uh, and okay. so I turned them off for that, and I noticed, well, apparently, I didn't realize because there was lots of air moving around, they generated a lot of heat, and once I turned it off, it was like 90 degrees in here, even though it's the middle of winter. So I had to open up my window uh, to the blizzard, <laughs> so now I'm like baking hot on my left side and freezing cold on my right. I'm Todoroki from My Hero. Uh, like, that's the situation. So you can still hear the the buzzing bees Gregorian monk chanting out the hallway, because there's like 10 of them right outside my door. And you can hear, like, a dog barking way off to the right. And, like, it's it, it's like old times, Sam. It's going to be garbage to listen to. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, we are, like, for those uh, not aware, uh, the Seattle area is having its, like, once or twice a year crippling blizzard. Uh, where, you know, our cities are not at all prepared for any level of snowfall. And we actually got quite a bit this time. <laughs> like, you know, it's... It's three, four, five, six inches in some areas, and, you know, all our streets are at a 45-degree angle, and they're just covered in ice right now, so no one can go anywhere. And so what I'm saying is, Harry, your, your building picked the perfect time 
to just spring a leak and just flood everything with water. Unlike, you know, one of the few weeks where everyone might die as a result of that. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. And like, it, it's just it's affected me just slightly enough because I got to be honest, I pretty much stayed in this room and sit in this chair anyways. And like, I have headphones on. So like, if there's something buzzing over there, I could just kind of tune it out. I'm that type of person. But like, it is weird. Weird as hell. And something that isn't weird as hell, I guess, <laughs> is these couples, is this couple of Go Busters episodes. It's a two-parter. Yay, segue. That I- yeah, it's a, it's a two-parter, like a direct two-parter, like, you know, uh, f- go directly into the next episode. Like, we'll just mention the break, but it's like a single fight that's continuing and, uh, type of two-parter. And it's a good couple episodes. I like them, but maybe it's just because of the format we do for this podcast. Like, it's... This could have been one episode and like a tight one episode, but instead they they busted it out and like I I like it, but it's just like you know we we're, we have a bit we're gonna talk a bit about other stuff at the end of the episode in case we're we're short. Yeah, a lot of this episode is uh, these two episodes are fighting, and there's not much you can say about fighting aside from like yes, it's good fighting, um, which you know granted it is. I thoroughly enjoyed these two episodes. I mean, it's if, going if we to be were, a like, very short conversation. If we were like experts in stunt fighting, there might be interesting stuff to talk about. Like, oh, here's the transitions you're using. Here's the the techniques, the wire work. But we're just a couple of nerds, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, they're punching the dude. It looks good. It looked fun. But we don't start with punching the dude. We start with uh, Yoko. In a, a apparently, I mean, I guess the secret military organization needs to have a child's playroom for reasons that they really should have sat down and thought about. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, well, actually, so that's that's not quite where we start. At least uh, the the version of the video I uh, saw, I get like the the intro sting, like the intro commercial sting. And so when I was introing in this episode, what I saw was like the Power Rangers fighting alongside Kamen Rider Fours with his like giant rocket head. Sam, are you say the version you're watching? Are you not watching the files I sent you? Wait, you sent me files, Sam. I, there's that mega folder with GoBusters episodes that, like, I've been managing. Wait, 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 you're actually updating that? If I haven't been, I could update it more. Uh, and, like, you could mention it because I have the files. Oh. Like, I, I do this, Sam, because there's bad versions of this show I don't want you to watch. Ah. Well. Yeah, the, uh, fi- the files are complete up through episode 40 on there. I see. Hmm. Okay. Sam, did you watch the fucking TV Nihon version? Um... Were all the Japanese honorifics still in place? Uh, I don't think so. Alright, were there lots of, were there any weird translations where, like, uh, they just had Japanese text on the top, like, had it explained stuff? I don't think so. Okay, then it might have been just a different group. Alright, well, in the future, it's the same blink I sent you from before. I, I see. I know that. Now? Like, are you looking at it right now? No. And I'll probably forget before next week, because that's how we roll. But anyway, I thought that this was going to be a crossover episode with Kamen Rider Force. It was not. I was a little relieved by that. Well, I mean, Force isn't a bad show, it's just like kind of a simple one that we don't have as much to talk about. But yeah, so uh, at the actual start of the episode, like, you know, they're in this children's playroom uh, for their child soldiers to, you know, have some semblance of a childhood before they're trained to kill. But let's let's be let's be generous here. It's probably like child care, like on-site child care for the workers here. That that might just be a thing they have. And there's no other children because the other children that are there are not allowed to interact with the weapons. Oh, yeah. You must know only to kill. 
Uh, but but Yoko, like, she's acting slightly unchar- uncharacteristic in a good way, because, like, she's kind of bright and cheerful, and she's been working hard on something, and uh, taking lots of notes, and as the Morishita, like, the, the glasses girl who works in the command center comes in to say, hey, it's almost time, uh, Yoko runs out really happy. Yes, and we finally get an answer to the question that we had several episodes ago of, do the Power Rangers have civilian clothing? And the answer is, yes, they all have exactly one change of civilian clothing that is perfectly in style with the type of clothing that they were wearing 13 years ago. So Yoko is in like, it's like a full-size dress on her, but man, this is the kind of dress that you put on like a three-year-old girl. I, I think this might just be Japanese fashion, uh, which... Um, uh, uh, but they do like point it out like you're wearing a weird outfit so I do think she just went out and bought it for this okay okay uh, but like blue he has like a, a snazzy old man vest which is you know the type of old man vest that you put on like uh, young like 12 year old kids to make them look like much older than their age yeah and red just has like jeans a red t-shirt and a jacket just, you know yes. normal outfit. he actually has street clothes he, he, he had a life yeah his sister was trying to keep him away from this so he, yes. he knows what things are he has changes of clothes. No one else does. And the bunny raids are all there. Gorosaki, Nick, and uh, Usada. And what we learned is that uh, the mission that they are being sent on is not a mission. They have a day off. Y- Yoko is taking them on an all-day surprise tour. Yeah, one that she put together. And uh, she has a lot of secret stops. She is not telling people what her plans is. You know, she put this all together. Uh, just a, a very strict itinerary. And the first stop that they are going to is the zoo. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, it looks like a nice zoo. And Gorosaki, for his part, is super stoked because he, he loves seeing all the animals. He even goes to the side like, oh, there's actual gorillas. I'm kind of based on them. Yep, yep. It's like, it's a gorilla, like, observing a gorilla. It's gorillaception. It's weird seeing monkeys at the zoo because, like, I, I saw one once and, like, he was just kind of laying down and sitting in the sun and just, like, scratching himself in such a goddamn human way. There are so few genes separating us of them, Harry. Uh, Hiromu is like, I don't know, I I hate all civilian life. Like, uh, do do we really need to do this? Uh, Ryuji says, hey, we're still really close to the base. We're right next to those weird pop-up tunnels we have. So if something does happen, we can get out here quick. Let, let's do this. Uh, the other buddy droid's a little bit cranky, but, you know, uh, the Power Rangers, they're on board. They want to give Yoko this day. And uh, especially the gorilla, at least right now. He is having the time of his life, and it seems like Yoko has something special planned for each of the buddy roids. Uh, like, uh, she 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 has plans for Nick, like they're going to go to a theme park, and she also has, uh, well, she has plans for Usada, and she also says, Hiromu, give me a good idea for Nick. And Hiromu has to kind of pause and think like, oh yeah, I did tell you something. And Nick is like, nope, that, that was an awkward pause. Did you just say something off the cuff to get her to stop bothering you? This is going to be a disaster. <laughs> but at this point, we cut to enter. Uh, he's having a meeting with Messiah, and it's... Enter is looking a little bit more haggard lately. Like, you know, we've been seeing a lot of meetings with him and Messiah, where Messiah just, like, yells at him, tells him to shut up and do his work, where Enter is, like, throwing out thoughts and plans, ideas, suggestions for having a more optimal thing. It seems to actually be getting to Enter more and more. Yeah, specifically... Uh, Messiah is really happy about the new Megazord they have that he's going to bring to the real world, but he needs a lot more Enertron. Enter has been giving him enough. Enter's like, what? I even like I accounted for stuff. You should have plenty. And he says, no, my the the uh, engineers said like we're low. You need to go get more. Fix it now. So Enter like straight up seems annoyed by this. Like he, you know, he sides off. Like he just kind of marches around a little frustrated. But you know he. 
he then shuts up and does his work because that's the kind of employee he is. And I love this because he's standing on a rooftop in, in his enterclothes. He's thinking about it. Then off to the side, he hears two tubas, two tuba players uh, just going at it, practicing. And so they're really close to him. He shows up in a full panda outfit. <laughs> So, he wasn't, he didn't, like, use this to sneak in somewhere. He was 20 feet from them. He had a panda, he had a panda outfit on him. He put it on just to walk to them, take it off in front of them. He'd be like, ooh la la. Because that's the kind of man that Enter is. Listen, if you have to deal with Messiah's shit, you, you gotta have your own, you gotta enjoy your hobbies, you know, find the small joys. And sometimes it's menacing some dudes in a weird mascot outfit. They don't really get into this, but, you know, it's two guys practicing tubas, and... Like, enter, of course, you know, uh, he takes the tubas from them uh, with, like, a bunch of putties. We don't see the tuba players ever again. Yeah, and there's not a thing where, like, oh, some dudes showed up and said they saw Ragnaros, so, yeah, they're, they're probably dead. Oh, yeah, 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 he straight up murdered these guys. Like, he slit their throats off camera and took their instruments. So he changes one of the tubas into a tuba robot and says, all right, I have a very specific, special job for you. So, uh, cut back to the amusement park. Like, the, the bunny is actually pumped to be going on the rides. Uh, and, you know, the rangers, they're just, they seem to be having a genuinely good day. Until they detect enemies nearby. Yoko is pissed they're gonna have to cancel, cancel their thing, but when they, but when they get the coordinates for it, they start realizing that it's close enough they can hear the screams. Yeah, there's a bunch of putties, and they're, like, they're in a marching band, you know? They got, they got instruments and drums, and they're just, like, marching, marching, marching on the way with the uh, villainous tuba uh, leading behind them. Uh, the villain of the week this week looks exactly like you think it does. Just, you know, take a tuba, take an enemy monster, and just combine them together. It looks like that. He's got a big horn thing on one shoulder. One of his uh, arms has, you know, pipes coming out of it. It's, you know, it, it's a it's a fine functional outfit. It, entirely functional. They did right. It just, you know, they got it in one, they didn't have to go back for a second take. And he, he's a little happy at how prompt the heroes are, and for once, this actually is a coincidence. Like, Enter wasn't targeting this zone or anything, it's just, you know, hey, go cause a distraction somewhere with lots of people, and they were here. So they start fighting, the Bederoids start evacuating civilians, like, uh, you know, flagging them down, guiding them around, uh, Gorosaki helps a fallen child. Yeah, and uh, the big droid, like, uh, he's showing up pretty darn, uh, pretty darn fast, like, way too fast. So, uh, red leaves to go fight, uh, while blue and yellow take on the little ones. Uh, Ace, like, uh, or not Ace, uh, but, like, the, the motorcycle buddy Roy, he's throwing down, like, he's punching buddies, too. He's not super effective, like, he, he doesn't seem to be as strong even as one of the rangers, and he's not, like, built for combat, but he really wants to help. He's very excited and trying to do his best. And, uh, as they're dealing with all this in the command room, they do notice that the commander isn't there. For whatever reason. Yeah, which is um really bad for the commander. Like, you know, well, commanders Well, to be fair, uh it's it's he shouldn't be away like uh without notifying people, but there's not like a plot pointed that they can't handle things without him him there. So like he has set up the system well enough to a account for his occasional absence, which is a point in his favor. I guess there's that. Like his absence doesn't cripple them, but it's still wildly uh wildly like bad. For him to be out of contact during a crisis. Like, that is an investigation type event right there. Yeah, well, we'll get more on that later. So, uh, Red, uh, he's, like, he's driving his, or, yeah, he's driving his motorcycle hard uh, to be in position. And he actually, like, manages to get inside Ace. And 
he's like swinging into the zone as the enemy is dropping from the sky. And as the enemy is dropping, he hits it in the guts like with the sword. And it is an awesome shot. Yeah, like they've gotten pretty good at dealing with these basic ones. Uh, the the tuba bot is angry about this, but he, you know, turns his attention to Blue and Yellow, who are still there, and he starts firing his blasts at them. Doesn't seem hugely effective. Yeah, like, the, the monster hits Ace, the monster hits, like, the big Energon container. Nothing is happening. But Blue stands in front of Yoko, to Blue stands in front of Yellow. I, I'm out. You're infecting me with the thing of just referring to them by their colors. Like, they have names. Uh, do they, though? Okay, do they, fine. Harry? Blue takes a hit for yellow, but then he kind of shrugs off like, I didn't even really feel that. Uh, so uh, Red finishes off the Big Mac, and this is like at the 50% mark of the episode. Like, it, he finishes it off early enough where he can get out of his mech, go back to the amusement park, and help with the fight there. Partway through the episode, we do briefly get a shot of the commander standing in a weird hyperspace room that looks similar to the one Enter is, but he's kind of like looking at a moving around glowing cube thing. Yeah, I started to get serious, like, oh no, has the commander been compromised vibes going on? Because uh, Enter, uh, or Messiah, earlier on, was kind of vague with how he was describing, like, you know, creating new life. I, What he was saying, it could have been interpreted as, you know, he was just creating another style of Big Mac. Or he could be creating another Enter. He could be creating another, like, human uh, to be sending on these missions. Uh, yeah, uh, like, we... Exactly how Messiah works is still a mystery. He doesn't have a lot of subordinates, it seems like. It's just him screaming at Enter. And also some vague engineers in the background who are working on the robots. So I guess he can just have the, the putties do that. So Enter, he's just sitting, uh, blowing on the, the, the other tuba. He he put on, like, a fanciful hat that was nearby. One of the one of the guys that he murdered, uh, that's his hat. So, you know, he... I guess that's how he gets some of his costumes. He kills people and takes it. Yeah, and the panda outfit is there, so it's not like an energy projection. It was an outfit he was carrying with him. So he had to find someone wearing a panda outfit and kill them. Uh, so the the tuba bot comes back and says, yeah, I got one of the three. And Enter's like, okay, well, that's get the other two then. The Megazord's already done its full job. Yeah, uh, so he pulls out another card and starts uh, to transform the other trombone. Red and uh, his... His bots, like, they split up with with Nick. Like, he gets lost all the time. That's one of his character things. Back at the, you know, they're back at the fairgrounds. They're trying to figure out, okay, so this uh, tuba, he escaped, but he's still nearby. We need to track him down. Uh, they put the bunny on a carousel, and carousels are, like, the most terrifying rides ever, which I believe I've got on rants on the show about that before. Uh, and he seems, like, a little annoyed about it, even though before he really wanted to go on the rides. There's a brief aside where, like, you know, Yellow is expressing just how bummed she is that... Uh, the vacation is like falling apart like she was trying to force it and it's totally understandable she is 16 like that is an understandable instinct to have yeah well i mean it, it was a good thing but this falling apart is the worst thing ever to her when you know it's like hey we can come back another day so uh red like uh, the trombone shows up and he's like fires a shockwave at yellow but red jumps in the way un completely untransformed and it does nothing to him. Like, you know, it just kind of washes right over him and seems to do absolutely nothing. As Enter summons the second Metaroid, they they sense it, they get another Megazord coming, and half an hour this time. Wait, uh, was it half an hour? I, I wrote down 228 minutes, or did I accidentally, did I double the two? Is it half an hour? Uh, I didn't take a shot of them saying the exact time, so, oh, I mean. It's somewhere between half an hour 
and four hours. Somewhere in there. Not immediate, but, like, they have a little time to deal with it, but it's not, like, tomorrow or anything. So the next fight is uh, Putties on Stairs. It's a lot of fun choreography, which, you know, we can't really do justice describing out loud. Yeah, the oh God, I, just, he's... I just caught myself saying, yeah, uh, like, that's that's a fucking thing I have to cut out a million of when I'm editing. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I didn't wash out my mouth. Ugh. Uh, the trombone shows up at the bottom of the staircase. You just did it. And... You said, uh, like, <laughs> I've just become very self-conscious of this now. Never, never, I keep going. The trombone shows up at the bottom of the staircase, and he's really, really trying to hit yellow. And, you know, it, it's obvious, like, he's, his attacks aren't to damage. They're to mark or something. Like, you know, this is some kind of binary attack where, you know, you hit him with one and then you hit him with something else and then something happens. Yeah, it, it, I mean, they're they're clearly building towards that. It's just like, it's not enough of a mystery to keep over two episodes. And also, it gets resolved way too fucking fast in the second episode. Like, we'll get there, but it's, yeah. it's an interesting twist that, like, they don't really deal with. At least, it you know, it's something different. It's not something you see every time. And uh, as we'll get into in this next episode, because after, like, he tries to hit uh, Yellow a couple times, they they ice him. You know, they do a power move, they finish him off, he explodes. And then through the flames, the second trombone appears and says, Verse 2 has begun, the Requiem, dun-dun-dun. So he starts firing his blasts and hits Red, and Red is fucking rocked, his visor explodes and his morpher breaks. Oh yeah, they're hurt. Like, these attacks really really hurt when they connect this time uh yellow is down and incapacitated blue is down and incapacitated well yellow was actually she's doing fine yeah yellow is completely fine though because she was not hit by the initial attack but she has been fighting for a while like it's a two-parter episode so she needs to go and carb load with her candy so ducks around a quarter pulls out a snack and you know uh starts to starts to put it in her mouth but unfortunately the robot shows up sees her and at the last moment, grabs her, and now Yoko is a hostage. Yep. He fires a couple more blasts, Ryuji's stuff is also wrecked, and then he runs off. And so now we have a rescue operation for the rest of the episode. Blue and Red head back to base because they're... Everything they have is broken. Like, their suits are down, their visors are down. Like, they need to have stuff repaired rapidly and to figure out what happened to them. Yeah, I mean, their, their stuff is replaceable. They give it to Gorisaki, he's like, okay, yeah, the engineers can fix this, but it is going to take a little time. I'll, I'll give them to you ASAP. They don't have the engineers come and bow this time and apologize about how long it's going to take. Gorosaki just goes and fucking does it. Uh, At this point, the trombone, he calls in a ransom message. He says that he'll spare Yoko if the rangers do not interfere with the big mech. But if they do, he's just going to kill her. Yeah, just stay where they are, let the mech drain the Enertron from the tank. That'll be enough. Now, at this point, Red does realize that, you know, the reason Yellow wasn't damaged was because she wasn't marked by the first, uh, by the first trombone. And they also realize, oh no, like, Ace, my Megazord, was marked. And not just that, but the, the Energon container was marked. Like, a lot of stuff got hit by that first mech, so if another one shows up, it's gonna be able to destroy everything so fast. Surely this will be a difficult problem that they have to deal with when the time comes. Like, it's a looming threat that's looming over the rest of this episode. Yeah, they resolve it pretty fast. But it, it it it's a good pitch. It's a good pitch. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of potential. Like it's because they had to drag it over two episodes. Like I I think there there's so I've mentioned before compared to Gokaiger, which is a hard act to follow in every sense. The show was getting kind of abysmal ratings, and the toy sales were also like not super great, which is uh which is really the important thing. These shows are designed to sell toys. Ratings are effectively secondary. So the writers were starting to like figure stuff out and move things around for the second half of the show. Like it, it's it's not too big of a 
deal now, but we like they do kind of start wrapping up things and we get what would have been the overall climax of the show much sooner than we normally would have, and then they do other things. I see. I think they might have kind of been buying time with this one. They took one episode and made it two while they could like get the roadmap rewritten. Just like throwing some cute scenes with the buddy roids, you know, uh, stuff that the kids could buy. Yeah, and I, I like the character stuff. Filling it out with character stuff, I would say, is a good move. Oh, yeah. The trickiness of the monster attack does not uh, keep up. Red and blue, they're planning stuff. And again, like, this is another, like, conflict thing that it seems like a thing, but ends up being nothing. When... Yeah, because they, they have half an hour. Like, they literally can rescue Yoko and then fight the Big Mac. When, when Morishita hears that Red and Blue are still planning on doing stuff, she's like, no, you can't, like, sacrifice Yellow. Like, fucking, I'm gonna drag you to this other room and show you what Yoko's been planning. Because it turns out, this is the Buddy Roy's birthday. Yeah, Yoko was going through files, and, like, she realized, oh, wait, they all were activated on the same date. Which was, uh, what was it, like, 13-something years ago? Uh, well, they they were active when they were sent through, so they might have been, like, turned, they might have been, I assume they were, like, at the facility, and that they were repurposed for this. Like, I don't think the the professor was able to throw together these robots and they whatever time it took for the transportation to finish. Like, it, I think my impression is that that process was like at max a day or more like a couple hours where they're just quickly throwing stuff together. Uh, they realize like, oh, yeah, it's a birthday party. We really do need to go and rescue Yoko, which we were already going to do. We didn't really need this aside, but hey, put a little human uh, emotion on this. Yeah, they switched emotion. It was like, we weren't just going to let her die. Like, we were going to figure out a plan to rescue her and then kill the robot. And she's like, okay, I was being, I was being silly. Sorry. Sorry, we need the episode to be five minutes longer. And uh, so it turns out that their plan is for Red and Blue to turn into uh, Agent 47 Hitman and just, like, go around the complex with all the putties and just, like, strangle them out. There's a lot of neck snapping that happens for a kid's show. <laughs> they they are secret agent Sentai and they are, like, garroting people. <laughs> or garroting putties, I guess. Not people yet. But yeah, after they do that, they uh, they pull another trick from Agent 47 and they cosplay as someone else. Like, they cosplay as Enter. So... Red and uh, Red and Enter have very similar physiques, like, you know, faces, hairs. So they just throw some goggles onto Red and give him a voice modulator and let him rip. He goes through a whole thing of checking it with a trauma bot and saying, yeah, I caught Blue sneaking around your facility. So I'm just going to drag him over there and I'll, you can keep him with Yoko. It doesn't let them get too close because the uh, trombone, like he's looking at them and he says, wait, enter. Why do I hear a heartbeat coming from you? Which is interesting on a couple levels. Yeah, it does answer some of the questions we had. Uh, enter, no heartbeat, not human. Yeah, you lost the bet there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lost the bet. The Rangers, they start pounding the baddie. They throw some candy at Yoko and... He wasn't able to get right there, but still, he got within dashing range, which is pretty far for Red because he has super speed. So he goes and blocks the killing blow from the trombone bot and tosses the candy. So yeah, at this point, uh, they... You know, it's a curb stomp now. Uh, they repaired all their equipment. It's no longer vulnerable to a sound waves. So the whole plot was like, yeah, we could just replace the bracers and it's fine. It's not even like something that's sticking to them. It's like, oh, no, the the wave is in your body. So your equipment could still break again if you take another hit. It's just like, no, we replaced the things. And then there's no further effects. Like if they had to do something where Yoko, like Yoko got damseled in this episode. And it's like, it's not too egregious of one. It kind of makes a lot of sense. But if she had to take it on herself that the others had to fight the robot, I feel like that would be a lot better. That would be. But instead, they just killed together. Uh, so the rest of the fight is pretty fast. The The big mech, uh, they 
know to uh, keep Ace out as uh, if possible. So they send in the gorilla. They send in uh, the helicopter. Yeah, like uh, it's, it's it, they. This Megazord is a beta, which is the kind of the weakest of the three. Like it's not even if this was a gamma, which they traditionally need Ace to fight, or they yeah. they need like the they need the uh, Megazord, like the the combination one to fight. That'd be something, but it's the weakest one. So Blue can kind of just go in on himself, and even without the secret tricks, I feel like he could have just beaten him up, because he's a gorilla, and gorillas are strong. He really could have. Uh, yeah, it turns out that the uh, giant blue gorilla mech has uh, has speaker amplifiers on his shoulder, which it can project white noise through and completely nullify this attack. Yeah, it, so. it's a sonic attack, so they just do it out of phase or whatever, like the reverse thing, so it's like, yeah, it's nothing. Rock met paper, and uh, the fight ends quickly. Like, it would have been cool if blue had to just fight him on his own and if you go but now they just they just win so yeah that's it was a very promising start it fizzled out a little bit at the end yeah they they weren't able to fix all this stuff but they get back they they have the party it turns out that red said that nick wants to go to a a uh, onsen some hot springs which Nick is like, I'm a robot. I can't even go in the water. But he's told he's waterproof. He's like, oh, maybe, maybe I'd like it. I don't know. Would that be relaxing for a robot? Like like in Star Wars when they get the hot oil bath for C-3PO and he's all like, ah, oh, happy about it. Yeah, let's uh, let's not think about it too much. And uh, the bunny is kind of cranky, even though he was riding rides, which he wanted to do. But Yoko wasn't riding the rides with him, which made him sad. There is a bit. So the commander, who has still been missing, we see him driving right in the woods. And walking yeah, around. Yeah, secluded spot. Yeah. And he meets two new characters. Because uh, sitting above him is another ranger, a gold ranger. Along with a gold, uh, a gold beat buster, buddy roid. Yeah, gold, gold and silver. So is silver the buddy roid and gold the ranger? Yep. Okay. Okay, that works. Yeah, this is, yeah, we don't go too much into our, their identity this episode, uh, but I'm these are these are pretty good guys. Yeah, these guys absolutely need some help, because enter it... As much as we talk smack about, like, you know, Enter, he's been racking up the W's lately. Yeah, like, he's always a threat. Even this episode, like, he had the Two-Face attack, and if they had hit everybody and then hit them at the same time, then they would have just been out of morphers. You know, like, it's it's a little silly that the dude ran away when they were kind of broken, because they, I don't know, he could have pressed the attack, but kids show, you know. Like, in, in Gokaiger, very few episodes were the were the monsters actually, like, a big threat. Uh, I guess in Paranger's RPM, then, sometimes there were, but even then, it was, like, various things. Like, for Enter, they're they're always on their toes. But also, you know... Uh, not, I mean, not, not necessarily always on their toes. Like, there's, like, the train one that isn't exactly a fighter, but, you know, that's there to just collect a ton of energy. Like, it, it, that was a win for Enter. Like, the train bot was a win. Yeah. Uh, and, and perhaps more importantly, and we'll sign off of this, uh, the Gold Ranger says... <laughs> I didn't just make it here, I made it back. So, he yeah. he's claiming to have come back from hyperspace. Like, yeah, so there are survivors. Maybe. Maybe he was the only one. We'll find out next week. Yay. And now, because we fucking talk about Twilight and Pyramid so much on the show, and Sam was just in a tournament, I thought, hey, let's just... Let's just write out this episode by talking some about Twilight Imperium. So, did we want to talk just, like, generalities about Twilight Imperium? Like, our thoughts on it? Or do we want to get into this specific tournament? I mean, I'm not sure if we formally introduced what it is in the podcast, even though we're talking about it a bunch. So, like, it's it's a board game uh, that takes, like... Uh, 
I don't know, it's supposed to take like four to six hours, but I've never been in a group where it took less than eight. Yeah, realistically six to eight. Uh, my game today actually did take a little bit less than six. Yeah, so well, there you go. Uh, it's uh, your kind of different alien races taking over a, a big chunk of the galaxy, and you're fighting for... You're, you're fighting for dominance, so you're, you're getting victory points is ultimately the way you win the game. But, uh, like, you, you build up fleets, you fight them, there's a diplomacy thing where you vote on laws, there's trade, there's, you know... You there's build too economies. much trade. There's far too much trade. Oh, were, were you not a trade race? No, like, so... There's not a, there's not too much trade if you're Hakan, which are the <laughs> the trader cats. Like, I, I love Twilight Imperium. I genuinely love Twilight Imperium. I also have some serious bones to twi- uh, to pick with Twilight Imperium, because, like... You, you love it like family, and as both of us have, that doesn't mean you necessarily like it. <laughs> so there's a lot of, like, social constructs that go on to a game like this, because, you know, like most uh, competitive games, it's a six-player. And it is a very tight, like, very interwoven six-player games. Like, it's not a heads-up, like, 1v1 scenario. Like you have to politic around the board. You have to trade. You have to make you have to make agreements. You have to backstab. It it can get it can get kind of ugly, or as more often the case, it can be far too peaceful. <laughs> like yeah, like there's there's weird stuff in the game where in theory a lot of the balance is from people recognizing another person is too dangerous and then them having to go and stop that guy from winning, but in doing so. You're hitting your own chance of winning, and and not just that. Like people are too damn nice, Harry. All right, if if you're saying that, then you're playing in a very different group than we normally are in our little social groups. Now, see, that's it. Like we locally, we play right. We play for blood. Like uh, I, the tournament I just came from, like you know the SCPT tournament. For I was the only player in like the first three, you know, full rounds to attack anyone else. All right, I'm not saying you're wrong, Sam. But you also have a reputation of being a guy who will try to destroy a person's homeworld on turn two. Like, and he- I did it on turn three. <laughs> like, I Harry, I, I got a player wipe. Like, I <gasps> I eliminated a player fully from the game. I killed all of his units. I killed all of his troops. I burned every single one of his planets. Nah, I did it. I, I did it in a tournament I game. I haven't seen that before. Like, I've, I've been on the side of an effective one. Like, I was... Uh, I was the embers of Muat, and in the end, I just had one single ship hiding the supernova. I was like, yeah, I'll just live here forever. It's rare to actually complete the wipe, <laughs> and I managed to pull it off. I did not manage to pull off a victory, in large part because the opposite side of the table, because, uh, you know, it, it's a circle. So, you know, just think of a circle. There's six wedges. Uh, the people to my left and to my right, they were under control. I kept them under control the entire game. The people on the opposite side of the board, they were far too friendly, they helped each other out, and oh no, the last turn, like, two of them were in contention to win. And one of them won a little bit faster than I could. It's a difficult game for exactly that reason. Like, I I keep thinking of, like, for these big games where diplomacy is so much of a big deal, there has to be a way to win together. But in, in Twilight Imperium, there isn't. Like, so much of the game is negotiations, politicking, and, like, having allies, but it's all done... With the knowledge that two people cannot win at the same time. The first person to get to 10 points instantly wins and everyone else loses. And kind of the theory of the game is that, like, it doesn't matter if you're second or you're last. All that matters is first. So it's... Yeah. And and so often the game devolves into, 
kingmaking, where you are, you know you're not going to win, and you have some forces that's like, well, if I do nothing, this guy will win. If I do something, this guy will win. It's like, is that fair? Is that a fair thing? You know? Like, and, 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 and let me tell you, person. it's fucking no. It, it's it's fucking not what I'm playing with <laughs> Nate, because guess what? I've been on that's I've been on multiple sides of that break multiple times, and he's never picked me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, with my local friend group, I will never win again, because... Because I keep attacking them, and so they will never king make in my favor. Well, you never play with our, you'll never win with our local friend group because you keep vendettas between games and scream at them about like how you're going to murder their families and like, like you're constantly <laughs> trying to kill Marcus. Like I, you you have a weird reputation that like I me I never carry grudges between games. I settle it in that game. Now I know I was just complaining about Nate, but like every game I give him another chance to betray me, and he takes it. Like there are some people like you know if you if you got your group and you can figure out like people's play styles you can kind of mitigate some of them or sometimes a person is just like an agent of chaos who wants to watch the world burn and there's kind of nothing you can do about that. If some people are just having fun in the game, it makes it worse for other people because the game is so tightly balanced it needs everyone to be going for one thing and that's really harsh and limiting in a game that's so long. It's so yeah. It it's it requires There's also it, it needs you you need to have such a specific mindset and being so uh like tied into everything everyone is doing all the time and like if someone doesn't care and is checked out then that fucks up your strategy. Yeah, there's huge amounts of like, you know, uh variance and RNG in the game. Like uh the so the objectives, the way that you score points in a round to round basis. Uh there's uh I've got to throw out some numbers here, they're probably wrong, but there's like 20 low level point ones and then there's like 20 high level point ones and any can come out at any time and so we were hitting the point of the game like the game typically earns around uh, ends around turn five and so on turn five comes around i was in a really super strong position i was doing really really good uh for a ton of the objectives but then a level two objective came out that it's not that i couldn't get it it's that it was also super easy for the other two people who were being super peaceful on the other side of the table. And because I was not in a position to stop either of them, they won. Holy, there shit. Was... Holy shit, Sam. Credit where credit's due. I decided to look it up. There are exactly 20 level 1 objectives and 20 level 2 objectives. Yes! 10 in the, 10 in the base game and 10 introduced in the expansion for each. Hell yeah. Nailed it. Uh, but yeah, like so like I I'm not saying it was like a 1 in 20 chance that I didn't win that game. Uh, but there was, like, you can only put yourself into a position uh, that's advantageous for, like, some of the pool. And, like, if you are if you don't do that, uh, or if you do that and, like, the other stuff comes up that you're not advantaged into, oh, well, you didn't win the game and there was nothing you could do. Honestly, and maybe this is just theory crafting, but, like, what if the game... The objective cards were face up. If you, uh, if you knew everything from, like, turn one? Yeah, and you could even have a thing where, like, cards are only active on, like, the turn they would come to, but at least then you could pawn, and, like, you'd know in the game, like, this is the things I need to work towards. Like, it's, it just seems like that would solve some things. Yeah, it's, uh, it would solve uh, certain things that, that uh, I do like the ability to plan, I do like the ability to forecast, and uh, more information is good. Like, it, it's, it's an eight-hour game. If you get screwed over in hour six, that, what's the point? Well, I screwed someone over in hour three, and I was, I was actually... I was trying, I was trying to kill him as fast as possible, Harry. I swear, I swear, I was. I was trying to eliminate him so he could like leave the game, 
but his neighbor actually came in to defend and like protect him like he parked some ships over his last planet that had a dude on it so we had to stick around for another three hours did, did you tell him hey i was did you tell him your plans like let me finish your friend it is the more merciful path I I think I literally said that, but the thing is they had exchanged support the thrones, so like if I oh, eliminated okay, this so player, he, I would have cost him a point. Yeah, he wasn't protecting his friend, he was protecting his point. Well <laughs> Yeah, he was protecting his point, and because of this, this guy with like no troops had to stick around for three hours. <sighs> it's it's a weird game. It's a weird game. I do I do genuinely love it, but it has its quirks. I really and like I've said it before. And I'm not sure if I've said it here, because I don't know what context I've said it in. I think something I want to try is City of the Big Shoulders, with, like, you and me and, like, a couple other of our of our group dudes. Okay. Cause, I mean, I, I don't think you've mentioned that to me before. This is new to me. Yeah, because, like, that's not even a war game at all. It's an economic game where you're, like, you're, you're like the robber barons in Chicago just before the, the Great... Um, the Great Depression, where, like, you're building up different companies, and a big part of it is, like, buying stocks in different companies, and you can buy stocks in other people's companies, and in the advanced version, you can even take control of their companies. Um, and, like, it's, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of complicated stuff, and, like, you know, your companies, the money they make isn't yours, they only pay to their stockholders, so you, like, you gotta balance it and, like, see, have them maintain capital, or, like, be profitable and stuff like that and i feel like there's a good level of um of player interactions there and it's also kind of big and complicated but still it's not like eight hours it'd be like uh like two to four depending on how how quickly we run through it i mean that sounds like fun like you know pitch it i i'm down i want to give it a shot like i it is so hard. It is so, so hard to correctly balance a competitive game with more than two parties. Like, it's hard to do it with two, but with, like, more than two, that adds, like, exponential complication elements to try and keep stuff level. Like, you gotta figure out, like, you know, catch-up mechanics. Like, if one player has a bad turn in a multiplayer game, does that mean they're just out of the entire running? Like, that, that could be fair, but... or. Do you have like rubber banding inbuilt into the system? Like how how do you handle it? How do you handle it? I feel like TI leans on players, multiple players being a balanced mechanic because they're supposed to like keep other players in check, but that's like not great. It's not great. Not every player realizes that it's their responsibility to keep other players in check. Or if other players don't uh don't avail themselves of that. Because like if you if you have a game where like, you know, where one half of the table is just bloody knives out, like, you know, just stabbing each other all the time, and the other half of the board is just, like, friendly trade, 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 and no one's attacking anyone, everyone's just letting themselves build their engines, that other side of the table is gonna win. Like, well, one person there. So, two people in the three-person pods just fucked up by feeding the winner. <laughs> like, my neighbor- when I play TI, my neighbors never win. The, the best position to be in board game of TI with me is directly across from me. Like, the person directly across from me at the table of a TI has such a disproportionate win rate for every other position on the table. Alright, the way you say that, I mean, I still blame TI for a lot of this, but you do have to think about, like... I know, I know, I'm, I'm a part of this, Harry. I'm definitely a part of this, but, like... 
Just think, if more people thought like me, then I'd be right. Well, more people thought like you, the world would be terrifying. <laughs> Next week, we're going to watch two more episodes of GoBusters and learn more about these uh, gold and silver rangers. Hell yeah, but what are we going to do until then, Harry? We are going to keep dancing. Just keep dancing, everyone. Dancing on the graves of the men you slaughtered in T.I. <laughs>